The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When the Magi had departed, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose, took the child and his mother by night, and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod that what the Lord had said to the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod had died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Rise, take this child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. He rose, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go back there. And because he had been warned in a dream, he departed for the region of Galilee. He went and dwelt in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken to the prophet might be fulfilled. He shall be called. A Nazarene. <clears throat> the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. So, Merry, Merry Christmas. It's still Christmas time. Remember, as Catholics, there are some events in the church's calendar which require more than a day. And so Christmas actually extends over what we call the octave of Christmas. So it's actually an eight-day event. Then after the eight days is over, the season begins of Christmas, which ends on the baptism of the Lord. So in other words, keep partying. Okay, <laughs> keep partying. See, you let, you let our non-Catholic friends and, and neighbors put away their Christmas trees and decorations. You Catholics, though, keep them up. Keep them up, all right? So, so we're still celebrating this beautiful day. But not only that, we're also celebrating a baptism. So we're going to baptize a new child. So, muy felicidades y bienvenidos a la iglesia. Hoy es muy perfecto porque la iglesia celebrar la, la, la Sagrada Familia. Perfecto, huh? Perfecto. Because you're a holy family. You're a holy family too. So it's a beautiful day. And so we'll do that after my home. So después la homily vamos a baptizar su bebé. ¿Listos? Sí, sí. All right. And a word of thank you for all of you who uh, <coughs> dropped off food at my house. <laughs> because if you remember, uh, oh, the Lord decided to give me for Christmas as a present the flu. And in the peak of the Christmas season, right in the middle of Masses, that was when I felt the worst. It was literally, it was, it was like swallowing glass. It was the worst sore throat I've ever had in my entire life. 
and I had to preach three homilies in a row, and it was it was horrible. And, and you guys, you guys had to endure my raspy voice. It sounded like a Don Corleone doing mass. <laughs> so it was horrible. And so the past, so I'm just so excited. If I'm, if I'm a little more excited than normal, I'm just happy I can talk. You can take it for granted when we're sick, walking, talking, eating. And when you, when you get your powers back, you, you, you feel really lucky. But for the past couple of days, I've just been hanging out in the rectory doing absolutely nothing. I've been literally just, uh, just binge watching the show Blue Bloods. You watch this show? Blue Bloods? I, I finished all 10 seasons. It's, it's horrible. I just binge watch. You can't do anything but watch television and, and do nothing. And so when I got tired of watching television, I go on social media, like, like a nerd, and I start scrolling everybody and, and watching everyone's photos. I don't know if you did this, but guess what people have been posting the past couple of days? All of you, too. I'm, I'm friends with many of you on, on social media. Everybody's been posting all your beautiful photos with your families, haven't you? You, you, you you're out to Christmas parties. You're hanging out, and it's all beautiful photos. I was just scrolling through, photo after photo of all of you, all of my friends and family having fun without me. Right? <laughs> and as I was sitting there with, with chills, being depressed, I was getting jealous, watching all your beautiful families coming together. But it was absolutely natural, isn't it? I don't even have to tell you. When it's Christmas time, you come together as a family. You come together to celebrate, right? It is hardwired within every single one of us. Even if you're not religious, I bet you hung out with your family. You got together and you experienced those beautiful memories which we all share. And that was beautiful. See, something like this happens with God himself. Notice now how God, again, remember, the reason why Christmas is more than a day is that we celebrate the incarnation of God precisely within a family. And as, if you, as, we, as we recall and we meditated on last Sunday, all of our families, because we're, we're all born into a family, Good, bad, mixed. We're all born in a family, and God himself chooses that same route. Why? You see, God is trying to tell us something about the human condition. It is the one experience that unites all of humanity across the globe. You see, because within our families, we're born into and we grow. The God of the universe, of all of the millions and millions of options he could have had to enter into the world, he chooses the family. And so we have to pay attention. What is God trying to tell us then about the family and our families? And what makes, on this feast day, the church celebrates it's always the first Sunday in the Easter season. It's always the same every year. It is a feast of the Holy Family of Joseph, Mary, Jesus. What makes a family, therefore, the question begs, 
holy. What makes a family holy as opposed to not holy? So that's the question we're going to explore. In the gospel today, the Lord gives us two examples of families. The first figure is Joseph. And the contrasting image, Herod. Look at these two men, by the way. So the gospel begins. The Lord appears to Joseph after Mary is, has given birth. And in the angel says to Joseph in a dream, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. And notice this. Mary has just given birth to Jesus. And God instructs them to go to Egypt. Now women in here who have given birth, the last thing on your mind after you just pop the baby out of your body is to travel, right? Why? Because you want to rest, because you've just endured a, a, a tremendous shock to your system. And you want to rest, rightly so. But then all of a sudden God says, no, flee to Egypt. My friends, that's a hard route. That's hundreds of miles to go again, think of it in a map in your, in your mind, to go from Israel and to walk all the way to Egypt. That would have been absolutely terrifying. It's just Joseph, imagine the fear he would have felt. Joseph by himself with his wife that just gave birth and their newborn son. They would have been facing the dangers of robbery, mugging, Kidnapping, again, remember, the slave trade is alive and well at this time period. It was common to be kidnapped and be sold into slavery. You know, we have the image of the Romans in the Colosseum having their gladiatorial games where they would, they would put people in, in, in combat together. Where do you think they came from? They came from slaves. They kidnapped people on the road. And so they faced this danger. And yet Joseph, notice now. Utterly obedient. Didn't fight it. Didn't argue. God said to do this. I do as well. Then now, amazingly, he makes it to Egypt unharmed. Then now he's in Egypt. All of a sudden, the age of the Lord again appears to them in a dream. Now, rise. Take up your child and mother. Now go back to Israel. You can imagine uh, Joseph saying to himself, I just got here. What are you talking about? Now I got to go back. I've settled here. And now he has to retrace his steps again, traveling hundreds of miles with his wife, now their young son. <laughs> Muggings, robberies, enslavement, danger. He doesn't argue. Doesn't fight it. He gets up. He goes. That was God's will for them. Now contrast that with Herod. Herod was a wicked, wicked man. You see, Herod was the king 
propped up by the Roman Emperor. You see, when Rome was, so Rome was the foreign power dominating at that region. And what the Romans would do, they would conquer a region, and then in their place, they would hold up a fake king. And the only reason why Herod was king, and Herod knew this, was because he had the might of the Roman legion behind him. And so he knew that his, that his power was fake. All the Jews hated him. They, could, they saw him as a traitor. And Herod, knowing that he was the only reason why he was king, was because the Romans was backing him, was absolutely terrified of losing power. Just like every single dictator and corrupt politician has ever existed. What do these men and women have in common, these corrupt politicians and dictators throughout human history? They want to hold on to power for as long as they can, right? They want to be in power and stay in power. And so they, they're always absolutely terrified when they have to lose that power. In the historical record, this is, this is how wicked Herod was. Herod had his own wife and his son murdered. Because he was afraid, he heard rumors that they were trying to usurp his position. And so he had his own wife and son killed. So in love with himself and his power that he was willing to kill the love of his life and his own flesh and blood just to keep that power. See how messed up he was. And then in the story, the reason why they had to flee to Egypt, because it says in the gospel that Herod wanted to destroy the child. Again, why? Because when Jesus was born, the rumor started spreading. A newborn king has arisen. The one who the prophets had foretold. The one, the promised Messiah, whom the Jews at this point were waiting centuries for. They're absolutely waiting for him to come. And then all of a sudden, Herod hears this newborn king has arrived. What is, what's Herod's response? Fear. And then, and we know the story well, Herod would send his soldiers to kill every child under the age of two in Bethlehem. The slaughter of the holy innocents as we have now come to know it. It shouldn't surprise us though. If you're willing to kill your own wife and your own son... To maintain your power? What is it to kill other people's children? And the holy innocents, those who died on this day when Herod tried to snuff out the baby Jesus, these were the first ones now to shed their blood for Jesus Christ. The first ones. Herod. Joseph. What separated the two? Joseph wanted to do, to do the will of God, no matter what that meant for him. Herod wanted to do the will of himself, no matter who got in his way. You see, my friends, We are each called to do the will of God in our families. And God reveals to us through the life of the Holy Family, 
precisely being born in a family. In order so that our families not only be holy, but to be happy. Because as I was searching, as I, as I was scrolling through all of the social media and, and seeing all of my friends and all of you celebrating, I wanted to ask you through my, through my phone as I looked at it. Do you guys want a happy family? And everybody would have responded, absolutely. Just like in here, everybody, when you gather together, you wanted to be the best fathers, the best mothers, the best wives and sons, husbands, daughters, cousins, grandparents. You all want to have happy, thriving, loving families, don't you? We all want that. That is why we gather together. But now the Lord, precisely being born in the family, has laid out the strategy for family. In the first reading from the book of Sirach, we see this. What the first reading was trying to extol us was take care of your parents when they get old. Hear that again. Take care of your parents when they get old. Why is that? Remember, the fourth commandment, the first commandment that God gives us in relationship to one another is to honor thy mother and thy father. That is the first commandment which governs our relationships. And I, and I see this because as I look out, many of you have shared, because many of you are right now at this moment taking care of your elderly mom and dad, which is hard to do. Because what happens, as we all know, the bodies fail, and our minds fail as well. And it can be hard and heart-wrenching to watch our parents age. That is the duty of every Christian, to take care of our parents if you still have them now. Because the ones that have given us life, given us everything and raised us, as sons and daughters, no matter how old we are, if we're so blessed to have them, it is our duty to take care of them. Not the government, not some agency, but us. And sometimes we use other agencies, of course, to be there and not, to not neglect them. So all of our families are different. But the key is, honor them. And then look at the second reading. St. Paul, powerfully, now, this is one of the reasons why I began Mass, extolling the Holy Spirit now, because the key is, this is what affects all of us, what governs our own families now. Brothers and sisters, put on God's chosen ones, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. See, what Paul's trying to tell us is how does a Christian family govern itself? How does a Christian family look like in the home? It is modeled with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. If one has a grievance against one another, forgive. Over all of these, put on love that is the bond of perfection. 
Let the peace of Christ control your hearts. And peace into which you were also called into one body. Hear this again. You see, our family life is the cause of, of, of most of our pain. It's the cause of most of our pain. But the family life is meant to be hard. Hear that again. My friends, family life is meant to be hard. It is here, it is considered the forge by which the fire of love purifies us. Husbands and wives, too, hear this. Your marriage is supposed to be hard. Because I want to say this because we have sometimes, we have this idea and, and, and this pressure that we put on our families that we're all called to be perfect. That our families are supposed to be perfect. And that our marriages are supposed to be perfect. No, it's not. But the attitude can be perfect. One of heartfelt kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Being patient with one another. You see, this is how our homes are supposed to to be striven for and to look like. Not power. Notice, you see, the language, I don't know, for for many uh, modern people, many of us, when we hear the language, especially this line here, wives, be subordinate to your husbands. As is proper in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and avoid any bitterness. You see, we tend to read that through the dynamics of power, domination, right? That's, that's how we tend to read this, 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 this scripture. No, not us, not us. We are meant to hear the readings today through humility, service. You see, our families are meant to be models now of an outpouring of love. See, that's what love is. It's not this machismo attitude. This attitude that I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the man of the house or I'm the wife of the house about me. No. Paul is saying, no, not, 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 not among you. Put on love. See, all of our families are meant to model this. And so as we continue now with this feast, and we're going to do the beautiful baptism. If your family looks far from this, right? Invoke the Holy Spirit now in your family. Lord, give us the grace to love the way we are called to love to respect one another the way we're called to love and respect each other. If you feel this is way beyond you and your gifts and talents, that is absolutely right. Because it is meant to be hard and it's meant for us to turn to God and say, Lord, give me the grace and the strength to love my wife, my spouse, my children, my parents, the way I'm called to love them. God is meant to be intertwined within our families. And so again, my brothers and sisters, I ask you, the choice is ours. Do you want to follow Joseph's example? 
or Herod. It's up to us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.